For years, herbalists have touted bee pollen as an exceptional nutritious food, and some have labeled it either a superfood or a prebiotic. They've even claimed that it's a cure for certain kinds of health conditions, ranging from diabetes to asthma to allergies in general, and all sorts of cutaneous or skin conditions. Now, it's true, bee pollen does contain a lot of helpful vitamins and minerals. It's rich in carbohydrates and lipids and proteins. Now, this bee pollen comes from the body of the bees as it collects as they fly from one flower to another. Bee pollen also can include bee saliva into that mix. Now, this is not the same as natural honey. I need to say that again. Bee pollen products are not the same as natural honey. It's not the same as honeycomb, bee venom, propolis, or royal jelly. Those other products actually do not contain bee pollen in them, although some combination products can. A recent social media trend has put forth this idea that bee pollen can actually help breasts grow in size, like one or two cup sizes. I mean, can it? Can it really boost your immunity and longevity? And what's the recommendation for use during pregnancy or breastfeeding? Oh, and speaking about pregnancy, can women who are pregnant eat raw honey? Oh, we're going to get to all of this sweet spot of the data in this episode. Just trying to keep everyone up to date on evidence-based practice because medicine moves real fast. This is Clinical Pearls. What makes you think you can just walk in there and find uh, what we need? They're called boobs, Ed. Hey, buddy, how you doing? You want to give it a shot? Boob! Nice! Well, of all the things that we could and do need to worry about in this crazy world, some of that stuff that we worry about is self-inflicted, like an abnormal perception or preoccupation with our own body. That's body dysphoria or body image distortion, and it's real, and it does cause a lot of psychological burden and dissatisfaction uh, and lack of joy in people's lives, and it needs to be addressed. And from the title of this episode, you could guess, yes, that even has to do with breasts. So there was a study that was published in the journal Body Image that was a global study that sought to investigate women's attitudes about their own breasts, right? Um, I mean, look, let's stop right there. I know of all the things that you could study, uh, boob size and satisfaction, uh, is that really important? And the answer is yes, because as we just said, body dysmorphic disorder or body distortion uh, disorder, all of these things really are real. And so now we can actually give it a number. This was published in 2020, all right? Nearly half of all women surveyed, okay, nearly half, said that they wanted larger breasts. Now, this, this isn't U.S. This was over 40 countries. And 20%, because, you know, the grass is always greener, right? 20% said that they wanted smaller breasts. Oh my goodness. Yes, this is a real study, guys. This was, again, out of the journal Body Image in 2020, and it got picked up by several news outlets. It's on Psychology Today. Uh, It made several news circuits. 
Uh, but why is this surprising? I mean, uh, this is this is the, the time of, of social media and hey, look at me and selfies. And and this is this is one of the problems that potentially uh, is made worse uh, from that. And, and, and again, I'm not saying that it just popped up now. This has always been a thing. But I'm glad that these researchers, again, just in 2020, actually did publish this because it did get, bring some real attention to this kind of body uh, dysphoria uh, or body distortion disorder, which leads me into our topic for today, because there's some crazy stuff on social media. Look, I'm very social media friendly. I like our social media presence, although sometimes you, you know, as I've said before, you stand at the top of the hill, people throw rocks at you, whatever. Um, and, and social media is a fantastic way to get good information out. But as we all know, misinformation or disinformation or malinformation, whatever you want to call it, is also out there. And there's some wacky stuff. So uh, not long ago, I covered uh, a, a, a TikTok thing that was going around about, oh, how IUDs are just so painful to put. I mean, they're just terrible uh, to insert. And yes, they can cause discomfort, but they are absolutely uh, not that way universally because a lot of that has to do with technique. And we went through in that episode our technique that we have done for many, many years. And we actually uh, did that as a poster presentation. Uh, well, oh my gosh, a, a decade ago uh, with use of lidocaine gel. I'm not going to get into that. The whole point is um, you, you see how uh, social media can actually destroy a, a wonderful method of contraception because of misdirected and over-exaggerated fear with placement. Um, well, you know what else is scary? An, a, an undesired or, un, or mistimed pregnancy. <laughs> so I'd rather have a little bit of discomfort with IUD, which is actually brought way down to a negligible with the proper technique than driving fear regarding its placement. Well, we're not talking about that in this episode, but I am talking about another social media trend that's going around actually over the summer, but it's still causing problems right now. And that has to do with this issue of breast size and contentment. All right. So if you didn't know this was a thing, yes, it is a real thing. There is this move on social media that you can make your breasts bigger by taking bee pollen. Now, not honey. Bee pollen. We're going to get into it in just a minute, but oh my goodness gracious. And you know what? It's causing some problems. This is why we're doing this. One is to educate uh, all of ourselves on what's out there. Second, if your patient comes in and says, Hey, I want bigger boobs and I don't want surgery, what do you think about bee pollen? You don't go, What? You're going to say, Oh, yes, I understand this 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 thought and this school of, of, of thought. Uh, and let me tell you why that's likely not going to help you. And we're going to address that in this episode. But all to say, this is a global thing. It, it's very easy to say, oh, in the in the US, you know, in the West, we're just so preoccupied with body image. But this was 40 countries. And again, nearly have said, yeah, I just want my boobs to be bigger. Um, okay, now, now, as a male, may I interject here? May Oh boy, I'm about to get in trouble. Uh, they're telling me not to do it. I'm going to do it anyway. <laughs> no, look, you know what? You know what? Honestly, what I I think is, yes, physical attraction is is legit. I'm not minimizing that or trying to be, uh, you know, better than thou. No, no, no. Physical attraction. We the first thing that we see is with our eyeballs. Uh, duh. I mean, literally, I mean, the first thing that attracts us is the physical, right? But then you you know it becomes much more attractive when you get to know the person. You know their heart. You know their spirit. You gel with them, 
And once that happens, I don't care if you're A or a, a D. I don't. I mean, it may have gotten some attention at first, but what really makes a person attractive, at least it was in our relationship, and my wife's very beautiful, I must say, uh, and that's what attracted me to her, again, to begin with, but I found it even more attractive when I really knew her heart uh, and her spirit. So, I don't know. I I don't know why I bring that up. The whole point is, uh, eyes in what beauty's in the eye of the beholder. I get that. Uh, and if you want to do something to take care of yourself, that's fantastic. Take care of yourself. Uh, strive to have a great BMI. Strive to look good. That's wonderful. But don't do things that are going to potentially get you in danger. And this little trans little fad on social media. Uh, can really get you in some danger. And we're seeing that here. That's why we're, we're doing this episode. So it's not kind of quirky. It's not meant to be funny. Although, you know, we're always going to throw in our little natural perspective and uh, and our humor that I hope comes through in this episode uh, and these podcasts. Um, because you, like I said before, look, guys, you need something to laugh about. My goodness. And you can't take yourself too seriously. If you follow our Facebook page, you can see that the other day I was in our OB uh clinic our high-risk clinic and yeah and then they got me good they scared me and they captured a polaroid right there and then i got her back <laughs> so you just gotta you just can't take yourself so seriously dang i mean laugh learn how to laugh smile it's good for you oh all right let's get on back to the episode Well, right here, right at the start, right now, like we mentioned in the intro, let's say it again, this is not the same thing as honey. Children over one year of age and healthy adults, including pregnant women, can safely eat honey because their immune systems protect them against any bacteria that may be in the honey due to bad storage, all right? Now, honey already has a very low chance of having active bacteria, and we're going to talk about that in a minute, um, but it is true that pregnant women and children over the age of one who now have some kind of microbiome can safely eat honey, all right? Now, speaking about honey, is there a difference between pasteurized honey and raw honey? Well, let me answer that with, with this little caveat. We're talking about bee pollen in this episode and boobs, all right? Bee pollen, not honey. But since we're talking about that in the genre, uh, and you may be asked this, then it's good for us to just clear this air right now as we clear the sage, burn the sage, or whatever you do to, to make not to not anger the honey people, all right? And I'm a big fan of honey. I like honey in my coffee. Mm-mm-mm. That's some good stuff, whether it's raw, the big chunky kind, uh, or the super smooth, whatever. It's good. Uh, and that is totally okay, even in pregnancy, all right? Yes, it is true. Even raw honey is totally okay in pregnancy. That's different than raw cheeses, raw milk. It's completely different, all right? So let me explain this because the, the fear is, uh, man, you can't be advocating pregnant women eat raw honey. What about botulism? Oh, oh, what about it? Uh, that That's not a thing uh, in a healthy adult patient uh, who eats even raw honey, even in pregnancy, unless there's one little condition I'll tell you about in a minute, okay? But let's talk about this issue of raw versus pasteurized honey. Now, if, if that makes people uncomfortable, then just buy the daggone pasteurized honey. It's fine. But that's not what pasteurization of honey was meant to do. Pasteurization of honey wasn't meant to take away bacteria from the product. It was meant to extend shelf life and prevent it from souring, 
All right. So just, just, just you know that it wasn't meant to really take away bacteria, but to improve shelf life. Now, that's just for honey. Okay, so let's get back to this issue of raw honey and botulism before we get back to the bee pollen issue. The idea that raw honey can can lead to botulism uh, is is has a little bit of truth in it, but but misapplied. Right? Yes, bacteria can live in honey, although it's vastly at low numbers because honey by itself is kind of a natural antibacterial agent. But you got you got to put it in context first of all, right? That. That only is uh, Clostridium botulinum, only is that an issue in babies less than a year of age because they don't have a digestive microbiome, their GI tract is immature, that can, that can keep that bacteria at bay. Okay. Plus, foodborne botulism is a whole separate issue. Foodborne botulism is a serious and potentially fatal condition, but that usually results from eating rotten food uh, that's been contaminated with large doses of this toxin of the of the botulism toxin. Okay. And yes, remember that's the exact same thing that people electively put in their face to take away wrinkles. Right. There's nothing wrong with that. And or other uses, by the way. There's true medicinal uses of of botulinum toxin, of course. But C. botulinum can thrive in some improperly prepared, stored, or packaged food. And when they release this large amount of, of toxic uh, botulin toxins, then, then they can get sick. All right. Now, the truth is, though, uh, adult botulism does happen, but it's pretty darn rare. And that's different when consuming honey. Now, honey typically and in general cannot give you foodborne botulism because Clostridium botulum uh, just doesn't grow naturally uh, in any kind of, of honey. It, it just doesn't unless it's cross-contaminated with something else or you put a spoon uh, on you know, some food and then stick it into the honey. There's some kind of cross-contamination, all right? Plus, the GI system in adults contains that healthy microbiome that helps prevent botulinum toxin uh, from overpopulating, all right? So it's very rare for pregnant women or adults in general who are otherwise healthy to, to get any sort of sickness from, uh, from um, botulism. So here's a recommendation, and I'm going to tell you where this is from because it's actually kind of neat. There is a, a, a whole region who has this as part of their nutritional fact that, hey, Honey, absolutely. It, it has got a lot of some nutritional benefits. Obviously, taking too much can, can give a lot of sugar content. But in the right amount, as with everything in life, in the right amount, honey can be very nutritious for you. And, and so here's what they state out of the Alberta Nutrition Guide for Pregnancy that was last updated in February 2023. Right. So this is not in my opinion. I'm not saying just out on a whim on a loosey-goosey thing that pregnant women can take raw honey. Uh, I'm saying it's actually in the Alberta Nutrition Guide. No, we don't live in Alberta. I get that. But unless you think that those crazy people from Alberta you know, got their own way of doing it and they're completely wrong, then there's no reason not to believe the Alberta Nutrition Guide for Pregnancy. Okay, once again, this was updated February 2023. So as they state, quote, honey is pasteurized to prevent souring and extend its shelf life, similar to the original purpose of the process Louis Pasteur put forth. Pasteurizing raw honey only kills the harmless natural yeast that can cause honey to ferment if exposed to warmth and humidity for weeks to months. So pasteurized honey is okay, but likely no safer than raw honey. And again, this is clearly stated in the Alberta Nutrition Guide for Pregnancy. Now, there is one catch though, all right? So here's the catch. If the patient 
it is using or has recently just finished oral antibiotics, okay? Because that can mess up the GI microbiome that can keep the police out of the neighborhood, then it's best to avoid raw honey, uh, and some people say honey in general, until the GI microbiome repletes itself. And nobody knows how long that is, but in general, it's anywhere from about 10 to 14 days, all right? So can a pregnant patient take raw honey? Absolutely, unless they have taken oral antibiotics that may keep the police at bay that protects it against any sort of bacteria that it's rare, but that, that potentially could live in the honey and, and have a chance to overpopulate. Uh, and that's and that's not just for raw honey. That's honey in general if you've taken antibiotics, right? So the, the recommendation is if a patient has taken oral antibiotics, just avoid honey products in pregnancy in general, but especially uh, honey that is raw. Does that make sense? So is pasteurized honey any better? Well, it's better because it's going to last longer, but is it safer for you? Not really. As long as you are otherwise healthy, have a working GI system, and aren't on chronic antibiotics, all right? So that is, I just wanted to clear that up in the air because I don't want people to send me a thing. I can't believe you're anti-honey. No, man, let me tell you. Uh, I love honey. I love it. I put it on my toast. I put it on my coffee. I said toast, not on my toes. It sounds like I said I put honey on my toes. I don't know. Maybe that'd be good for your skin. I mean, honey does a lot of good stuff. See how we have already totally derailed from our conversation. <laughs> uh, do not put honey in your toes unless you like that sort of thing. And if you do, knock yourself out. You do you, all right? Whatever makes you happy. Uh, what was... Oh, yeah. So, honey. I do like honey on my toast. I like it on my coffee. Uh, and I am not anti-honey. I'm just making the point that honey is different from bee pollen. Now that we've laid that down, let's get back into our original topic of can bee pollen make boobs bigger? Like every weird claim that's out there, there's a little bit of truth in it, and then it goes whoop, goes completely haywire, right? The truth is, yes, bee pollen can be pretty darn nutritious for you. It's got a lot of proteins and vitamins, minerals. Uh, it's got oligo elements and micronutrients in it. It has unsaturated fatty acids. Uh, it's 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 pretty good. It's also a pretty good moderate uh, caloric load. So hey, I got no problem with beef pollen as applying some kind of nutrients. But here's the question: Do those nutrients? Does that consumption of bee pollen actually translate to to less disease, less ailments, and overall longevity? That's the question. Nobody's going to question, is bee pollen um, have nutritional value? It can. I mean, don't make it your main staple of your diet. But yeah, it's, it can be good as a supplement. But can it protect you against heart disease and diabetes? And can it make your boobs bigger? There's some weird stuff out there. So let me just get to the, let me just give you the answer. And we're going to get to a lot of explanation. Okay, a lot of explanation. No. Okay, Duh. I mean, so bee pollen cannot make your boobs bigger. The only way to make your boobs bigger is either by surgery or to do it naturally. Um, you can gain weight. That makes boobs bigger. A pregnancy makes boobs bigger because of fluid retention and, and glandular uh, hypertrophy. And in some women very sensitive to estrogen, the increase in fluid retention can increase a cup size. We've known that's true. You can measure that, right? So women come in and go, I think my boobs are a fuller. All right. Does that bother you? Because that could be the pill. If it's got estrogen in it, right? It's, it's the, the fluid retention. At least most people put it to the estrogen and less so to the progestin component. Um, so those, that's it. But bee pollen will not make boobs bigger. 
And so if your thought is, well, why would that even be a thing? Why would bee pollen um, be able to make boobs bigger to begin with? And the answer is because, once again, they take a little bit of good data and then completely distort it and add stuff to it. Uh, and I want to talk about that in a minute. Um, but but this is, is, is a weird, crazy thing because... Now, I used to be on TikTok and I, I, I stopped because I, I just think there's just way too much distraction and addiction potential. So I just took it off. If you like it, that's great. And we've toyed with doing a Clinical Pearls TikTok. We really have. I, I don't know. I, I, as of right now, I've resisted. I'm like, look, all we have is our Facebook page. If you notice, we don't have Instagram, although I'm getting pushed and pushed to do that. We don't have a TikTok page for the podcast. I'm getting pushed and pushed to do that. Uh, I, I don't know. Right now, I, I don't have that. But on TikTok, there, there has been this big swarming of women uh, uh, flocking to swarming. Wow. Did you see that? Is that Freudian or what? TikTok, we're talking about bees swarming. I did not plan that, by the way. Is that wild or what? Wow. I just, I just kind of impressed myself. Uh, swarming over this idea that bee pollen can make your boobs bigger. Uh, even though there's no proof of that and nobody who has said that on TikTok is a physician or a clinician uh, or a valid certified nutritionist, all right? Uh, and, and the idea is is that maybe there's some, um, some phytoestrogens like in soy that could uh, make boobs bigger. Uh, well, if that's the case, why don't you just eat soy? And soy doesn't make your boobs bigger. I mean, it, it just doesn't. There's just not enough concentration. Maybe they feel a little bit they, they feel a little bit fuller, but not enough to increase a cup size. So that's the push. If you're wondering what was the whole uh, theory that bee pollen can make your boobs bigger, was that it contains phytoestrogens? Well, why wouldn't it, right? I mean, bees hop from flower to flower. Uh, it's a natural deal and phytoestrogens are out there in nature. So it makes sense, except there's zero evidence of that. <laughs> Actually, research published back in 2010, back in 2010, over a decade ago in the European Journal of Medicinal Chemistry, found that bee pollen, we're not talking about honey, but bee pollen had zero phytoestrogens or at least any did not have any phytoestrogens that were measurable. How about that? Now, when tested in yeast and human cells, bee pollen did not interact at all with estrogen receptors. And the reason was they had no kind of estrogen-like properties. So once again, let's just drop this clinical pearl right here. Bee pollen is not a phytoestrogen. And unfortunately, while it tastes good and can be a little nutritious, is not going to be a natural way to increase boob size. Doctor, my assistant is as flat as ever. Where are the new knockers the taxpayers paid for? Hmm, you're right. That's like Flatsville. Then where did I put those implants? <laughs> what on earth have you done? My McGuppies became bazongas. Great Ceausescu's ghost. Are those real? Oh, all right. Okay, so bee pollen cannot naturally increase boob size. But that doesn't mean that bee pollen doesn't actually have some health benefits. It just means that we don't have a ton of research to definitively tell us if it does or if it doesn't. Most research on bee pollen has been done on animals and in labs on bench testing, mainly for nutritional content. And that's totally fine. There's been a lot of data that shows, well, yeah, bee pollen is nutritious. But going from that to extrapolate to prevention of cancer, 
uh, is a little reckless, all right? And outside of the various health claims and claims to physical attribute enhancement, there's been some data or, or some claims rather that even bee pollen can help with athletic performance. Um, yeah, no, 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 it doesn't. It, it's not going to make you a better basketball player. I mean, that's actually been studied as well. Uh, no, no, it doesn't. Research published in 2015 in the journal Molecular and Clinical Oncology found that bee pollen mixed with honey helped to reduce some menopause-like symptoms. So, there, hey, that's reassuring, right? Once again, hold on, because it gets better. But So, right, see how people go take a little bit of, of, the, of data, like they take a little bit of the abstract, like, oh, I found, a, I found something. 2015, Journal of Molecular and Clinical Oncology, bee pollen mixed with honey, helps to reduce menopause-like symptoms, like hot flashes. So, aha! Aha! It's got to have phytoestrogens in it. Okay. Now, so if you read the abstract, or you, you read just a little tagline, or whatever it's bolded when you look it up online, that's what it says. Okay. However, when you go back and look at this study from 2015... Well, there's, to say the least, some issues. Number one is that the study N was 46. It's not a whopping number. It's 46. And by the way, all of them were breast cancer patients undergoing treatment to lower endogenous estrogen in the body, right? So that's they already got this issue. So if, if you're trying to lower estrogen, why would you give them something that potentially was estrogenemic? So that goes all into that camp that no, it doesn't have any estrogen-like properties, right? But But here's the catch that the placebo treatment which was honey by itself so it was regular honey or honey mixed with bee pollen uh, produced similar effects as when it was mixed with the pollen so in other words it was the same as the sham treatment and or uh, honey by itself has some kind of hot flash relief that's non-estrogen based okay so the truth of it is when you look at the entire study and you read all of the limitations and disclosures like we don't know why they did that and it was only an end of 46 this very well could have been chance but you see how you take a little bit of a little bit of, of a publication that bee honey um, uh, bee pollen mixed with honey helped reduce hot flashes but then you go, wait a minute, it was an N of 46, and it had the exact same effect as in those who just used honey by itself. Uh, and it was in a very select population, so we don't know what was going on there. So that, that is hardly de facto proof of a health benefit. So at this time, there's just insufficient evidence to rate the effectiveness of claims that ingesting bee pollen prevents cancer, balances hormones, promotes weight loss, or even reduces allergies. Now, in fact, outside of those limitations in the data that we just don't have regarding health benefits, it can absolutely, and here's a clinical pearl, guys, this is what I want you to relate to patients when they ask you about this, this thing could actually be harmful. Now you're like, what? How can this thing be harmful? Well, I'm going to tell you. Remember our adage, right? Can it help? uh, And does it hurt? Well, can it help? Uh, likely no. Now, unless you're saying can it be a good source of vitamins and and a little bit of nutritional boost, yes. But can it help your overall health? Doesn't see, we don't have any data for that, so it's it's no because we don't know. And then could it harm? Uh, can it cause any kind of of danger? And the answer is yes. Uh, and this is not a new concept, guys. Bee pollen potentially causing severe either GI issues or allergic reactions and or anaphylaxis. Uh, is not a result of the recent TikTok stuff that was published actually back in 2012 
out of the journal Science-Based Medicine. And they were dealing with bee pollen back then before TikTok and the bee pollen boob issue. Okay, so in 2012, in the journal Science-Based Medicine, these authors said, look, stop taking bee pollen, stop sprinkling bee pollen in your cereal and whatever you're doing, because, quote, the claims made for bee pollen supplements are typically overhyped and evidence-free. Guys, I, I said, quote, this is not me, okay? I, I, I keep on. Uh, quote, as is typical of the poorly regulated industry of supplements. And they're not ambiguous in any of their data interpretation here, guys. Here's what they go on to say. Quote, many of the claims for bee pollen are supported by the notion that it's a superfood. But this is a dubious category that's used to claim miraculous health benefits from perfectly balanced foods. And and I'm still reading directly from their quote. Such claims are based on the fallacy of more is always better and an exaggerated role of nutrition in overall health. Now, end quote. Now, let me stop there. Yes, and I've said it before, I'm a huge fan of micronutrients and nutrition. But to think that that's going to solve all the world's problems obviously is, is not the case, at least from a health perspective. Because you can be super healthy, you can be super vegan and still have high cholesterol. You can be super healthy and super vegan and still develop cancer, right? Because that's a genetic issue with dysregulation of cell function. Do you all get what I'm saying? So yes, it's helpful. But as they say here, these claims that it's just going to you know, be absolutely the, the wonder agent for health, uh, it's just not there. Now, let me go on to say, to, to read what they say. Quote, Not all alleged superfoods are even good sources of nutrition. But even for those that are, the claims made for superfoods are not justified by evidence or even plausibility. There is no theoretical benefit to deriving all required nutrition from one food source versus just having a well-rounded diet, end quote. And again, it's not just this. Don't don't go in and write the Journal of Science-Based Evidence in an ugly letter because they're not the only ones. As we spoke about Alberta, this has also been published in a Canadian in the Canadian Medical Association journal uh, some years ago. And here's what they said regarding the use of bee pollen. Bee pollen is no stranger to cross reactivity. Pollen from ragweed, for example, is known to cross react with pollen from dandelion, which is frequently found in bee pollen. So if one has a ragweed allergy, you may experience an allergic reaction after eating bee pollen due to cross-reactivity, and some of these cases may be severe and even anaphylactic in type, end quote. This was, uh, again, published in in the Canadian Medical Association Journal, and and this is a real concern here. So can it help? Uh, We don't know. Uh, We don't know to know. Right. And then can it hurt? The answer is yes. And we've seen this increase in ER visits from this bee pollen as these poor young women uh, try to increase their cup size. All right. As we get closer to present day, let's go to a publication in the journal Nutrients from May 2023 because they address this as well. Right now, this is around the summer of, of 2023 is right around the time that this bee pollen TikTok thing was was taking off. All right. Here's what the authors state, quote, we identified numerous gaps in the available evidence due to the scoping methodology utilized. In other words, there's a lot of methodological issues with these studies. They go on to say, the variability will markedly hinder translational efforts and any other conclusions drawn from experimental studies. 
standardization, and universally consented protocols in experimental studies are crucial as extraction models for data. Okay, all that is fancy ways of saying, look, these studies that are out there on bee pollen have so many methodological issues and there's no one standardized protocol. We don't even know what dose they're getting. We don't know what's in it. Uh, there's so many different types of bee pollen that we have no way to know what data means. Okay, so that, that's the short of it. And let me end with this quote. Uh, again, this is from the Journal of Nutrients, May 2023. Quote, there is insufficient data available about bee pollen pharmacokinetics and pharmacodynamics, end quote, and then as a paraphrase, to give any true health-related information or claims regarding it. Okay, so so this is a real, a real issue. So here's a very brief uh, PSA as we get towards the end of this episode, right? So if your patient is set on taking bee pollen, you say, hey, that's part of autonomy. I, I warn you against that. This is really not uh, intended for, uh, for, for cosmetic, uh, you know, physical appearance augmentation. And while it could be a source of nutrition, you've got to be very careful with bee pollen, unlike honey, because if you've got some allergies, especially to, to pollens, different kinds of allergens uh, in the air, you, you could be putting yourself at risk. All right, that's the crazy thing, and even though honey and even raw honey is okay for, uh, for for pregnant and lactating women, bee pollen is not considered safe for children, uh, pregnant or lactating women. Okay, so now don't send me any letters about it because here's the truth: we have no data regarding safety. Now, could it be safe? Absolutely. Could it also not be safe? Absolutely. And the reason is some strains of bee pollen have actually been checked uh, and they've actually contained uh, other bacteria not found naturally in honey like Pseudomonas uh, and other potential pathogens. Right? This is not my, uh, my opinion. This was published in the journal Trends in Food Science and Technology in 2021. Now, can we just take a moment just to realize that there is actually a journal called Trends in Food Science and Technology? Wow. Yeah, but there is. And they stated in this publication, after they reviewed all this whole issue of bee pollen, remember, this predates the bee pollen TikTok thing. This was 2021. See how, how something, all it takes is somebody to find something, put it out, it goes dead for a while, remember, because everything is cyclical and social trends, and then somebody digs through it, finds it, and revives it. We've said that in the past, right? Nothing is new under the sun. It's the same thing with this. Bee pollen's been around, and those claims have been around for a long time. And if it was a legit thing, don't you think the AMA, uh, the American Academy of Family Practice, the American Pediatric Association, ACOG would say, oh, my goodness. We, we've missed this thing. Two scoops of bee pollen, BID, please. Uh, this is fantastic. And it will fix endometriosis and dysmenorrhea and everything else. Well, nobody says that because there's no data that that's true. Okay. So all to say, back in the Journal of Trends in Food Science and Technology in 2021, quote, potential contaminants in bee pollen, such as pesticides, Metals, that is heavy metals, mycotoxins, and toxic alkaloids have been found, end quote. So this is why bee pollen, which is a different issue than honey. You see why we made that distinction earlier on? Bee pollen can contain some bad stuff. Honey can keep bacteria at bay as long as you store it correctly and don't put dirty utensils in it after you, you know, touch something that's raw or whatever. 
Just and by the way, you shouldn't be sticking things into the honey anyway, unless it's very clean, or you should actually pour it out to a separate container and then use the honey that way. Don't stick things into the honey jar, um, just to keep it without a, a chance of contamination. That at least that's what we do. That, that's what our nutritionist told us years ago, uh, and so that's what we do. Um, but the difference here with bee pollen is, as these little bees jump from flower to flower, and it's that stuff that sticks to their legs. Uh, damn, a lot of stuff sticks to their legs, including pesticides and heavy metals and mycotoxins. That's why bee pollen, don't send me any message. I don't care what you say. It's what it is. It is not considered safe in pregnancy and in lactation. And you won't convince me otherwise until we have the data that says that that's not the case. All right, podcast families, we get ready to end. I do got to say a quick word about another bee product. Uh, not B like the letter B, but B as in bzz, right B product, which is uh, uh, propolis. Now I've heard it said propolis, propolis. I have no idea. I don't know. Remember, English is a second language already, so I'm behind the ball. But P R O P O L I S, propolis or propolis. That is also another B product that also is uh, put out there, and you can buy it. Uh, as a natural, uh, another uh, wonder aid or superfood, right? This is totally different. So look, we've talked about honey. That's legit. That's got, that's fine. I got no issues with honey. And then there's bee pollen, which outside of some maybe nutritional issues, because there is some nutritional content there, there's a real risk of, of allergy and harm. So that one is not so good. And then there's uh, propolis or propolis. Now, what this is, it's also related to bees, specifically honeybees, but this is a mixture of beeswax and and bee saliva and bee enzymes. Mmm. Okay, pour me a spoon of bee saliva. Okay, this is a thing for sure. It's also called bee glue, uh, and 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 it's also advocated as this rich nutritionist source uh, and, and and health you know superfood. Okay, fine. The short of it is, because I think we're, we're, we're getting done here, is, yeah, it's the same issue. Very, very limited data. There is some data, and well, they gave it some Brazilian uh, propolis, I guess because Brazilian bees are better, whatever. Brazilian propolis to, like, lactating women to see if it could help with their skin rashes or allergic uh, conditions for them and their child. Uh, and, and it found nothing, uh, both nothing clinically, and, and it really didn't cause any change due to their total IgE. All to say... There's some weird stuff out there. So bee pollen, best to not use because you don't want to risk sensitizing yourself against some kind of uh, allergen and potentially exposure to some kind of pesticides. Uh, 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 propolis or propolis, uh, bee, beeswax and bee saliva. Ugh, no, please no, just stick to the facts. And honey, yeah, sure. I mean, honey, of course, in moderation. There's nothing wrong with that. Uh, not making any claims that honey is you know, some kind of weird superfood or going to fix cancer either. But, you know, it tastes good. Uh, it has some nutritional value uh, and pretty much, you know, pretty safe as long as you don't cross-contaminate it. So that's pretty much where we are. So the bottom line is bee pollen, absolutely, it's a source of some nutrients, no question. And in general, it's considered very safe unless you run the risk of of sensitizing yourself, or if you already have high seasonal allergies, best to not mess with it because there are reports of serious allergic reaction, including anaphylaxis. The short of it is we just don't have any data regarding long-term benefits or long-term harms from bee pollen. So there you go. So can bee pollen make boobs bigger? 
no. No, we can't. All right, podcast family, I hope you found that helpful. Oh, my goodness. During the episode, we talked about the Simpsons episode where Marge gets her new boobs. I know they're going to stick that in there, Mike. I know you're going to do it. I know you're going to do it. It's all right. Look, guys, as I mentioned before, look, learn to laugh and just don't take ourselves so seriously. Oh, there's so much pain in the world. Uh, if we can just give out good data, uh, have a good time with it, and re- and remember just to laugh at life, um, uh, I think we'll be better for it. Um, th- there's enough things to be serious about and, and be worried about that. Let's just get through our day and be thankful and, and smile when we can. As always, we're thankful for you. We're glad you're part of our podcast community, and we'll see you on another episode of Clinical Pros.